Let's take our Bibles and turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10. I'm beginning a, a new series this morning called It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you have seen the movie, and you see the uh, projection there of Jimmy Stewart and uh, Donna Reed in the movie that came out in 1946, I think it was, called It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you have seen that before? It's like uh, over half of the church, maybe three-fourths of the church have seen that movie. Matter of fact, it's considered one of the most popular Christmas time movies that is in existence now. Even though it was uh, originally came out in 1946, people keep watching it over and over. Matter of fact, at our house, we have to watch It's a Wonderful Life at least once during the Christmas season. And so it's a, it's a movie that many people have come to know and to kind of appreciate because it relates so much to where we feel like in our lives sometimes. Now, it's a wonderful life, and you see them smiling and hugging, and so you, if you've never seen the movie before, you think, all right, it's just a story about someone's life, that everything is great, everything goes wonderful, they got a wonderful family, a wonderful marriage, everything is wonderful, it's a wonderful life. But that's not the way that the movie actually goes. George Bailey, who is uh, played by Jimmy Stewart, starts out in his life. His father has a, and uh, some of the family has a building and loan business called the Bailey Brothers Building and Loan. They live in Bedford Falls, and George has kind of been feeling like he has great dreams, but he's confined in this small town of Bedford Falls and with the struggling business of the family business. So his thoughts are, I'm going off to college. I've got great plans. I'm going to lasso the moon. I'm going to marry the woman of my dreams, and everything is going to be great. But then things take a turn where he has to take over the family business. Things begin to go worse than they were going. And it all kind of, life just seems to kind of fall down. It's almost like the sky is falling on George Bailey. And he's thinking, life is not worth living. I wish that I had never even been born. And at the beginning of the movie, in those early thoughts, he even goes to a bridge and he's decided he's going to jump off the bridge and commit suicide. To which God intervenes and sends an angel to interrupt that and... Uh, George, in the end, finds out that his life had more meaning than he thought. That his life was impacting other people's lives that he never even really realized. And so the angel has to take him through kind of a make-believe reality in his mind about what life would have been like if there had been no George Bailey. If he had never been born or never had lived his life out. And he finds out that life has his life has made a great impact on a lot of other people's life. And so in the end, he realizes, you know what? In spite of the ups and downs and even the moments when it seems like the sky is falling on you, it is a wonderful life. He just had to get it in the right perspective. And I believe that sometimes we need that same kind of wake-up call to realize, you know what? It is a wonderful life. We just got to get it in the right perspective. And today I want to look on the first message, It's a Wonderful Life Because of His Great Love. It's a wonderful life because of the great love that God has shown to us. And we're going to look at that in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 10. And we'll read this out of the uh, New King James Version. And as you're turning there, 
You know, I mentioned that for George Bailey, it's almost like the sky was falling and remind me of a little story that I heard one time of this man who was walking down a dirt road and as he was traveling down the road, he saw this little furry spot on the road and he wondered what it was and he looked and it was a sparrow with its feet sticking up to the sky. And his first impression was that this little sparrow has died, ended up on its back with its feet sticking straight up. As he got a little closer and looked at it, he finds out that this sparrow is not dead. It's actually alive. And he goes up to the sparrow and looks at it and he sees that it's alive and looks at that sparrow and says, what are you doing laying there with your feet stretched up to the sky? To which the sparrow answers, I heard that the sky is falling and so I'm going to catch it. To which the man laughs and says, I hate to tell you this, but you're in a hopeless, helpless situation. You're going to take those two little skinny, scrawny legs and you're going to catch the sky? There is no hope for you. To which the sparrow responded, well, we just do the best we can with what we got and hope for the best. Sometimes people approach just life in general, heaven and hell, that approach. Well, just do the best I can and hope for the best. But God has given us an answer that life is wonderful because of His great love and there's a greater hope that we can hope in. Here we begin in verse 1. It says, And you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even, you know, when when it says because of His great love with which He loved us, you could take that word us and take it out and plug your name in there. Because of His great love which He loved Brett, which He loved Joyce, which He loved Mary, which He loved Debbie, which He loved Gail, which He loved, just plug your name in there. But God, and that verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now I said it's, it's a great, lo- uh, great life or it's a wonderful life because of His great love. What has this great love done for us to make our life so wonderful? I believe that one of the things the Scriptures have made it very clear is because of His great love, I've been given life instead of my death sentence for sin says in the Scriptures that you have been made or He made alive. For you and I, no matter where we are in our life, and even if we kind of feel like George Bailey, 
Or maybe we just feel like the little sparrow that we've heard the skies are falling or it seems like the skies have fallen. The truth is that because of the great love of Christ for us, it really is a wonderful life because we have been given life instead of the death sentence for our sins. Because the Bible tells us this, the wages of sin is death. And in the scriptures that we read here it says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Didn't say that some of you were, but it says you were. You know, sometimes we kind of, if we're a pretty good person, we think I don't deserve the same thing as somebody else. But the Bible just gives it very clearly. And either you are sinless or you're a sinner. There's only that choice. And if you are a sinner, if you've ever committed a sin, and the Bible says we've all fallen short of God's grace, that makes us all sinners. And there is a death sentence. For the wages of sin is death. And the death that it's talking about is an eternal place called hell where there's eternal death. But because of the great love of God towards us through Jesus Christ, we have been given life instead of death. I don't know if you've ever read the book uh, called uh, Death on Hold, but it's the story of a young man, his name is Mitch Rutledge, that just in the early 20s, he had grown up where he had grown up without a father. He had got mixed up with the wrong crowd of people. He had uh, got to where just to survive, he was selling drugs. His mother died, I think, when he was 13. Or 16, I think it was. 13 or 16. His mother died, and so he's just kind of been here and there. And so he's got caught up with the wrong people. He's selling drugs to uh, kind of be able to survive for life. And at one point in his life, in his early 20s, he's around with the wrong people. They're all high on drugs. And to make a long story short, they have got a hold of somebody they're trying to get money and drugs from. And they decide that this guy knows who they are. They can't let him live. They're passing a gun around and somebody sticks a gun in Mitch's hand. He's high on drugs. He don't even know what's happening. They stick a gun in his hands and say, shoot, and he unloads it on that guy and kills him. He ends up being sentenced to death. They're in prison after the drugs is already cleared out and he's got his heads back straight. He's ashamed of what he's done. He's admitted and he's apologized for what he's done because he realized he didn't even know what he was doing. He was high on drugs. But it doesn't take away from the crime he committed, the sin that he committed. And so now he is on death row. But long story short, he ends up, someone intervenes in his life, realizes there's something different about him. He has accepted Christ as his personal Savior. And he wants to live. And so he tries to appeal to get the death sentence taken off and to get life. His lawyer, after he uh, Mitch has accepted Christ, he said, if, you, if we could, and it's, it's almost impossible we could get you a life sentence, if we could get you a life sentence instead of death, what kind of life would that be? You have accepted Christ. And the Bible tells us to be absent from the body is to be with Christ in heaven. You'd be far better off. He said, I think God's got a plan for me. I want to work for life. And so he gets, ends up, long story short, miraculously he gets changed from a death sentence to life. And he lets God work through his life in a miraculous way. But he's still in prison. He's on a life sentence in prison. But when I look at these scriptures, the Bible's not telling us a life sentence in prison 
but it's telling us He's given us a new life. Just like the choir sang a while ago, I've been made new. That's what the Scriptures are talking about. That for you and I, when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, because of His great love for us, we are now given a life sentence that is new, that is freedom, instead of the death sentence for the sins that we have committed. And the Bible tells us that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all deserve hell. But God has given us a new life, a life in Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but when I kind of get that going on in my mind, I'm thinking, no matter what has happened in life, it's a wonderful life, isn't it? Because I'm not destined to the place called hell. I'm destined to the place called heaven. And the reality of that has sunk deeply into my heart and into my mind. And so, it is a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life because of the great love of Christ who has given us a new life instead of the death sentence for the sins that we've committed. And I don't care how good you think you've lived your life and how decent a person you've tried to be, all it takes is one sin that is deserving of the place called hell because the Bible tells us that God must be holy and just and He must judge sin. So every sin is worthy of the place called hell. But God loves us so much He has given His, His gift of life. So it's a wonderful life because He has given us life instead of our death sentence for sin. But also it's a wonderful life because He has gifted us the riches of grace to live on. You know, many people who get out of prison, when they get out of prison, it's the hardest thing because they can't get a job, they have no means of living, and so they struggle and many of them go right back to crime and right back into prison. But the Bible tells us that the Lord has taken away our death sentence and He has given us the riches of His grace and His mercy. Matter of fact, if you look at verse 4, it says, but God who is rich in mercy. And then if you look over in uh, verse 7, it says that in the ages to come, we might sh or He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us. The Lord not only has set us free from the sentence of what Sin was committed, but He has given us the riches of His grace and His mercy. And it mentions both mercy and grace here, which are kind of like twin brothers. They just kind of connected together. And it mentions the riches of those. What is it? Some people kind of look at grace and mercy as the same, but they're not exactly the same, but they're like twin brothers. Mercy is when God doesn't give us what we deserve. Because of our sins, we deserve hell. But because of His great love, He gives us mercy, which means God has forgiven us of our sins if we accept His gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. So that's mercy. God hasn't given us what we deserve. But the twin brother to that is grace. Grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. Meaning we don't deserve all the blessings of God. We don't deserve the riches that God has for us. But because His love is so great for us, He gives us to us anyway. That's grace. I heard a gentleman one time explain grace and mercy this way that kind of helps us to understand it. If you're out on Walnut Avenue and you're speeding about 10 or 15 miles an hour beyond the speed limit, 
Some of you are smiling, so you relate to this. You're speeding about 10 or 15 miles an hour past the speed limit, and the officer pulls you over. And you're thinking bad things about this officer who's doing his job. He pulls you over, and you give him this story about, I'm sorry, I, I was in a hurry, I, I didn't mean to, I, I, I'm not a bad person. And he takes the ticket and he just says, all right, I'm just going to give you a warning. No ticket, no fine. You know what that is? That's mercy. And that's where you change your mind and say, you know what, I love this officer, he's a great guy. We need more officers just like this. That's mercy. You deserve the speeding ticket, but he didn't give it to you. Grace would be, all right, I'm just going to give you a warning. By the way, you and your wife want to come over for dinner tonight? That's grace. He's forgiven you, and now he's offering you something that you don't deserve. That's the way God is. His great love for us is so much that he has said, I'm just going to give you a warning. That's mercy. But I want you to come and dine with me. That is grace. That's how great God's love is for us. But you know, the last thing that I see in these scriptures is that because of his great love, I've been given the opportunity to make a difference for others. Because of his great love, not only have I been given life, a new life instead of the death sentence for my sins. And not only have I been gifted the riches of His grace to live on, but also I have been given the opportunity to make a difference for others. You know, I told you that Mitch Rutledge, that he tried to go back and get his death sentence taken off, and, and they were able to miraculously do that, and so now he's spending life in prison. And the reason that he'd rather spend life in prison rather than the death sentence and going on to be with the Lord in heaven was because he said, I believe that God's got a plan for my life to touch other people's lives. And I believe that God wants me to live so that He can use me for His glory. You know what? That matches up with these scriptures because if you look at verse 10, you'll see the, the last thing that the Apostle Paul said here in Ephesians is, for we are His workmanship, Creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now it says that we are created His workmanship. Reminds me about what the psalmist said that, that uh, the Lord knit us in our mother's womb. And it also reminds me the Bible says that God knew us before He ever formed us and that He has a plan for us. That's a great workmanship. You see, you take anybody that, whether they... I was talking with a gentleman recently that said he, that he really likes to work with wood and take a piece of wood and other pieces of wood and put it together and make a piece of furniture or something that just looks beautiful. And how that when it starts out, it's just planks and plywood and, and sticks. And it just looks like a pile of wood. But in his mind, he already knows what it's going to look like and how it's going to be used. That's kind of the way that God is for our lives. Before we were ever formed in our mother's womb, when scientifically we were just cells, God already had in His mind what we were going to look like and what our purpose in life would be like. And so while we were in our mother's womb, He began to knit us and to form us. The Bible says that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. 
What that means is that God had a plan and a purpose for me and for you and for everyone in our life. And no matter what we're going through, God's still got a wonderful life for us. A wonderful plan that He has planned out. And in the Scripture it says that He created us in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Which means God done planned out for us to be used for some purpose. Now it's up to us to do the good works and to walk in it. Now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I doubt anybody in here would want to raise their hand to say, you know what? It would be neat for me to be sentenced to death and then be put in prison for life and to know that God had that purpose and plan for me so I could touch other people who come through prison. I doubt anybody in here would say, hey, that sounds good. That's a wonderful life. But God was taking the life of Mitch Rutledge and he was working it out. And Mitch knew he had made mistakes. He'd probably gone down a path that God had desired a different path, but God had a plan to work it out for him to do some good works. The amazing thing is I read the story of Mitch Rutledge is that he began to do a work to touch young people's lives who came and to found out what prison life was like so they wouldn't go there. And he began to tell them, don't go down the path that I did. He began to make some videos that got some national coverage. And he knew that in the midst of all that he'd done, God had a purpose and plan for his life. And so there he sat in prison. But you could probably ask Mitch, would you rather be out? Yes. Is God using you for a wonderful purpose? He is where I am because God's taking my circumstances where I am and making something wonderful out of it. To do good works so I must walk in it. No matter where you are in your life, God has given you a wonderful life. And that wonderful life is to take where you are and God's purpose and plan and to use it for some purpose and to do good works. So I kind of end with this this morning. It's a wonderful life. What are you doing with yours? George Bailey, who's up there, he's smiling. You know what? That's the end of the movie. He's done realized, you know what? The sky is not falling. And there is hope for me. And God's got a purpose and a plan in the midst of everything. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you may be here today and you feel like, you know what? It feels like the sky is falling. Things are not going good for me. Things are not going the way I'd want them to. But God may be working out something good in your life in the midst of everything. George Bailey had to find that out the hard way. And the Bible tells us in Romans that God works together all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. The Bible tells us right here that we were created, His workmanship, to do good works and to walk in them. So you know what? It is a wonderful life because of His great love. Now what are you doing with yours? It is a wonderful life what are you doing with yours? Lord, we come to you this morning. Lord, as Kenneth shared 
while ago, and I didn't know he was going to be sharing that this morning, but the gentleman that took his life, he was going maybe around the same path that George Bailey was going. Life's not worth living. I wish I'd never been born. And he ended his life. The sky apparently seemed to have been falling. But Lord, I know that when life seems like it's messed up, doesn't change how great your love is for us. When things are not going down the path that we'd want them to go, it doesn't change how great your love is for us. Doesn't change the fact, Lord, that, that you've given us a new life instead of the death sentence that we deserved. Doesn't change the fact that you have gifted us with great riches of mercy and grace to live in. And it doesn't change the fact, Lord, that you have given us the opportunity to do good works and to make a difference in other people's life no matter where we are. So Lord, maybe all of us need to ask ourselves this question this morning. Alright, maybe it is a wonderful life. What am I doing with my life as it is? Am I walking in good works? Am I making an impact in other people's lives? Do I know that God looked at me and fearfully, wonderfully made me and God has a purpose for my life to be fulfilled? You see, it's only a wonderful life when you know, when you know that you're fulfilling God's purpose for your life. And it doesn't mean that you've got to have a complete handle on it, just knowing that you're doing some good works and that you're walking in those things that God wants you to walk in. That's what makes life wonderful. It's not the conditions of your life. It's the commitment of your heart. That's what makes life wonderful. Lord, I just pray this morning, God, for those in the service today that may be struggling, maybe even feeling like the sky's falling in on them, hopeless and helpless. Lord, may they see that it's not the conditions of life, but it's the reality of your great love for us that makes life wonderful. And now we just have to ask ourselves, what are we doing with our lives? So Lord, I pray that today there'll be some hearts and lives that'll be challenged. If Mitch Rutledge can be spending life in prison and making a difference in other people's life, surely me as a man or woman, boy or girl that's free and new in Christ, surely I can fulfill God's purpose for my life, do some good works, and make an impact on somebody else's life and know it is a wonderful life. Lord, we commit this to you today and we thank you in advance for the lives you're going to touch. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.